Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. All right, here we go. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for joining on SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and also now on YouTube. So don't forget to go look up Subway Sports Talk on YouTube. Subscribe, like, whatever. Watch it. We appreciate you. Hopefully, you're watching this one on YouTube and seeing two beautiful faces that we are actually doing our first ever Subway Sports Talk in person, live, together. We're basically neighbors out here in uh, the Hoboken, Jersey City vicinity. And I am pleased to say, Patty Boyle, as I look into those eyes, not through a screen and say, how you doing, brother? <laughs> Good, man. We've been talking about this for a while. You got the move back to Jersey City. I got you back. Literally like a seven-minute walk just up the stairs through the subway, uh, the train station to get to Jersey City. It's a thing of beauty, man. We got to be doing a ton of these now. I know we were talking about ripping some NBA pods going forward, but final football podcast here or at least pre-super bowl podcast i can't believe it another football year in the books it's crazy and it flew by obviously you know shout out to mike francesa uh, the super bowl already can you believe it <laughs> week week 11 already <laughs> can you believe it that's how i'm feeling and you know with doing the pod basically every single week i mean i know we maybe not that we slack but we were just busy over the past couple we did a baseball episode with the Hall of Fame. You and I did, I think, two or three during the playoffs anyway. We did 20 episodes for football this year, and we did picks every single every week. week with the videos or the graphics. Shout out to you, by the way, the mastermind behind this whole project, this whole creation. Thank you. Big reason why you got signed to this lucrative contract. <laughs> lucrative, <yeah. laughs> Big lucrative contract. No, uh, I'm, I'll, pr- I'll, I'm proud I'll of you. them in a minute. I'm proud of the work we put in here this year, man. Yeah, me too. I'm proud. And maybe if the numbers are lying a little bit, I think combined we're under 500. I'm currently one game up, so a lot of pressure on my Super Bowl pick. And what we're going to talk about here today is our pick on the Super Bowl, of course, but not just you know Rams or Bengals minus or plus four, four and a half. We're going to talk about props. We're going to talk about parlays and all the fun stuff that come with the Super Bowl and uh, break down this game a little bit, have some fun. That's what we did all year long. That's what we're going to continue to do here. And there is just so many, so many prop bets, so many different things you can get involved with. For the biggest, better, the smallest, better. Everyone throws a little something down. On Absolutely. So it's time to get frisky with it. Yes, sir. And whether we're talking about what color Gatorade or if I just learned literally just before we started here what the hell an octopus is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no idea. All we saw that an octopus on DraftKings here was a plus 4,500 uh, betting odds for an octopus to take place. So obviously we had to Google what that was. If you knew that out there listening, what an octopus was, good for you. We did not. It is that a player scores a touchdown and a two-point conversion on the same drive, in the same series there. So not likely, not plus 4,500, plus 1,400. I lied. Uh, but yeah, will there be an octopus? First bet of the Super Bowl. You betting on an octopus tonight or? No. No shot. That to me, that's like, <laughs> like that's gonna that's gonna take so many people's money just yeah. because you're gonna see the plus fourteen hundred odds. Half the people I'm sure won't even know what the hell that is. You're gonna see. You're gonna say well, octopus. Hell yeah, five bucks. Give me that. 
five then to when, win 75 or something like that. Yeah. Once you learn what it is and I'm sure that there's hopefully there's somewhere I might, might do some research when we, once we finish here, cause I doubt I'd be able to find it within the first 20 minutes of how many octopuses there have been either this year or in past Super Bowls. I'm sure it is almost zero. So no, I will not be betting that. Yeah. They're the, the same amount of people who have won the Heisman won a national championship and won a Super Bowl equals the amount of people who have had an octopus in the Super Bowl. That's <laughs> probably not. There's probably more octopuses. Oct- <laughs> Octopi. Octopi in the Super Bowl than there are that. Cause as we now heard over the past two weeks, and I mentioned a couple weeks back, I did a solo pod talking about Joe Burrow and his possible accomplishments. This was before he beat the chiefs. Yeah. I said of all the first overall picks in the history of the NFL, nobody has turned around a franchise this quickly. And if he happens to take down the chiefs and happens to win a super bowl, he is in completely unmarked, unprecedented waters, accomplishing something that no one's ever done before. Now that's been talked about like crazy over the past couple of weeks, but from Elway to um, Peyton Manning to every first overall pick, Andrew Luck, Eli Manning actually surprisingly had one of the best runs as a first pick, even though he got moved and traded at the draft day, he had a super bowl in year four. That's one of the best accomplishments ever for a first overall pick. Nope. Joe Burrow might smash that with the Super Bowl in year two. It's, it's crazy. A couple words from our friends over at DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. You know what that means? Can you do math that quickly? It doesn't matter. I'll tell you right now. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. And guess what? To all you New Yorkers there listening to Subway Sports Talk, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can now officially bet from almost a third of the country. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million of top prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. So he's on this crazy run, Pat. Let me ask you off the jump. You're living in the media world that you do. Are you shocked by the amount of love he's gotten? I called him to a friend that he's basically the Chuck Norris of football right now, where it's like a godlike level of success for him. Are you shocked by this love or is it expected and, and deserved? I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm not shocked. I'm surprised, but I'm not when you, I mean, when you look back at everything you just talked about, considering his journey, how just four years ago he was at Ohio State getting no burn, no play, transfers to LSU, and within in his second year at LSU goes on this unbelievable historic run, breaking records 
across the way. Nobody could stop them. He gets the number one pick, and then it's like, all right, he had all these, he had Jamar Chase, he had all these playmakers at LSU, and he had all the talent in the offensive line around him. All right, now he's going to Cincinnati, who was two and fourteen the year the the last you know last year yeah. with a young head Recently. coach. With, yeah, literally two and fourteen when they drafted him, coming off a two and fourteen season, and you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, he's good, but he might just be another number another number one overall pick that kind of just flares out because I mean, look how many. Not number one picks, but look how many top 10 quarterbacks we've seen flare out very quickly over the last couple of years. Josh Rosen, to you know, to 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 speak amongst many others, but um, you <laughs> Sam know, Sam Arnold at that matter, a guy yeah. who hasn't completely flamed out but has not found any success. I'll throw Daniel Jones in there as much as it pains me to do so. I still think year number five could be the one for <laughs> next time, the next one. It could be, could be the next one for Daniel Jones to win some football games. Who knows? No, but then and he goes there and he had a, he had a fantastic year to start with no offensive line tears his ACL. And it's like, okay, well now we kind of have to curb any expectations or, you know, big time expectations we might've had for Joe. And without him, you saw how much of an impact he had in his rookie year. And then all of a sudden, boom, this year, an unbelievable season, 70% completion percentage, best in the NFL, 4,600 yards. 34 touchdowns, all with an offensive line that is still terrible. And he has turned Jamar Chase into a superstar. They've turned each other into superstars. He's turned Higgins and Boyd and Uzama into household names. I mean, dude, he's already become a legend in Cincinnati. They could get blown out in the Super Bowl. And he's already a legend because he's taking Cincinnati to their first Super Bowl in more than 30 years. And the fact that he's only 24. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, we, we talked about Mahomes. We talked about Josh Allen. We talked about Justin Herbert. And all the while, it might be Joe Burrow that goes down as the greatest quarterback of this generation, which is unbelievable to say. And the teams, they have beat along the way. Tennessee's not world beaters, right? They they proved they were more fraudulent than anything. But you know, at one point in the season, Tennessee was, what, 7-1? and one? They beat They were undefeated against playoff teams with Derrick Henry, and they beat them on the road. And if that accomplishment wasn't enough, then they go from 21-3 down with two minutes left in the first half, and they beat Mahomes and the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I like you can't you can't undersell that. Yeah. And even though I said I was surprised at how much coverage and how much love he's getting, you still can't undersell what he's done and the fact that they've gone from two and fourteen to Super Bowl team within two years with a second year quarterback is is I mean again we throw this word around a lot. It's it's really unbelievable. And on top of that. He's got the looks, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's handsome as hell. He's got the hair. drip. He's got the swag. He's got the JB9 Nike chain. He's got the drip. So, I mean, he's he's a legend. He's a legend already at 24. Now, the only thing that I, I really worry about is all the love and all the praise he had gotten up until this point hasn't phased him. He's Joe Cool. Yep. Now that he has sat on this for two weeks, when you have too much time to think about things and you have too much time to – kind of sit back and let that ego kick in. You know, you got to wonder. You got to wonder if Burrow comes out here and doesn't perform well, do you start writing that storyline right back in the other direction? Again, I think they can get blown out and it, and it's fine. He's already a legend, but yeah. I obviously they're not going to they're not they're not just happy that they've gotten here. They want to win the Super Bowl and they they want to win this game, but I think he would be the first one to utter that same sentiment that you just yeah. put out there, right? And that's been one of the things why he's so loved at this point in time. His approval rating is unbelievable. There's no Joe Burrow haters out there yet, unless maybe 
you know, you rooted for a college that you, he beat up on, Nate, and then you don't like him. Yeah, you can't. And you can't can be still, a Burrow hater. It's hard to be a Burrow hater right now, and I'll remind people, and they don't want to hear this, but it's true, and it happens with literally every single star that comes about in all sports, right? When Steph Curry first started hitting crazy threes, no one was out here saying, screw Steph Curry. They were saying, that's sick. And then he won back-to-back -back MVPs. Screw that guy. Giannis, same thing. Oh, Giannis, the Greek freak. He's unbelievable. Then he gets the MVP. Ah, guy can't shoot. Then he wins a championship. Different story. Pat bust, Mahomes. Bust him for the free throws. Right. Let's bring it into football now. Patrick Mahomes. He gets hate now. That's because people like to hate the best thing out there. Yep. But when Patrick Mahomes first burst on the scene, it was all awe. It was all amazing. And Joe Burrow's in that range right now where he's grabbing America. And realistically, what he has to lose in this game is not much. I agree with you. But what he has to gain in this game is becoming the face of the NFL for at least the next couple of years, right? And then if they keep winning and the Bengals keep, you know, making championship games and Super Bowls, then the haters will come out as yeah. they always, always will, right? But right now he can steal away the face of the NFL from Patrick Mahomes and be like, hey, AFC quarterbacks, uh, Herbert, Lamar, P uh, Patrick Mahomes, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm here, baby. Yeah, and I think like in American sports, we are shocked and we are enthralled with novelty, new things, new franchises, new dynasties that have come about. And especially Cincinnati, they've come literally out of nowhere. I mean, this is not any any hyperbole to say that this is a Cinderella run, what they have done. It is. And you're right. If they happen then to get back to the Super Bowl within the next two years, or if they win in one other AFC title game and they dethrone the Chiefs effectively, then yeah, then you want to hate the things that are consistent. You want new things once again, every two, three years. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, corny of us that we do that as a society, but I mean, again, you know, sports, it's, it's a day-to-day -day thing. So, and we, we love it. We fall in love with it. So right now Burrow has, and Cincinnati have, I think most of America by the, by the balls here. Yeah. Um, and it, wait, let me stop you though, real quick before you go on with your point. It's corny in ways, but it's not like you and I are, are sitting here saying like, oh, we're going to hate Joe Burrow. Like you and I are going to hate Joe Burrow. And you listening might not ever hate Joe Burrow. I don't hate Patrick Mahomes, but you hear all the hate, right? I don't hate, I don't personally, I don't hate Kevin Durant, but when he went to the Warriors, he was on the best thing ever. And now we hate him. And I think a lot of that is because you have how many bandwagon fans then you get. Yes. Think about how many bandwagon Warrior fans, how many bandwagon Chiefs fans, LeBron fans, bandwagon LeBron Yankees, fans. Cowboys, I think that's what we hate, right? We yeah. hate the bandwagon fans. You hate the, the typical Lakers, Yankees, Cowboys fan. Yeah, and what's happening right now is jersey sales for Burrow are going crazy. Yep. From from children to people in their 20s to like full-grown adults, they think this guy is the best thing ever, and they should. And then there's a segment of people who see everybody and their mother wearing a Joe Burrow jersey going, yo, it's whack. Enough is enough that already. That shit is whack, yo. <laughs> yo, give me, who's, who's a new quarterback coming into the league like, let me get somebody else. Let me get, uh, let me get, let me bring back my Derek Carr jersey. Ain't, ain't nobody wearing those. But <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. all of a sudden, the you want to be contrarian. Certain segment of people are going to be like, nah, you know what? Russell Wilson never really lost. That's my guy. Like, that's just how people work forever and always. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the game, I guess, right? I guess we should talk about the actual games. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't think you can, we really, we could do a whole hour on Burroughs, like their journey here and how they've gotten here in the front office and how they've done such a tremendous job as a, um, as a franchise and how they, you know, I think it was Mike Golick was on, I've been working on the DA show on CBS. We had him on 
um, earlier today, Wednesday morning. And he said, I think out of the 54-man roster or whatever it is, only nine players have been there since before Zach Taylor got there. Wow. So the fact that they turned over basically an, an entire roster and then made the Super Bowl, I mean, it's a testament to, to the front office, a testament to what Mike Brown and the Bengals have done. And, I mean, again, it's crazy. It, and, it really is crazy. And on top of it, their roster's not even that good yet. Yeah, and the <laughs> fact that the they – and, and when you look at them, and when we start to get into the game here, when you look at them compared to how the Rams have done it, Bengals did it through drafting, through free agency signings that were, you know, all like middle of the pack, like good players that they could fill out a roster with. And then what we've seen what the Rams have done, ship away every first-round draft pick fucking imaginable and just sign every big superstar, jaded, you know, de dejected super bar that was superstar that was looking for a way out of their old team, bring them in and make it a safe haven and just collect a roster of the biggest stars and hope it works out. It's crazy, the dichotomy in those two franchises. And now even at the quarterback position specifically, you have a first overall pick in his second year with the team that he's resurrecting from the dirt, literally. And then a first overall pick who was with a crap franchise, pretty equivalent to the crap level of the Bengals. Probably, you know, the Bengals made a bunch of playoffs, had some good rosters, whatever. So they were probably a little bit better off but historically bad franchises. And then Stafford now, his first year with this new franchise, spending a billion dollars, multiple billions actually, on the new stadiums and whatnot. It is, it couldn't be more different. And what I've been thinking about too is the groups of people who are not LA or Cincinnati coming along for this ride. Yeah. So for the Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals fans, they're inviting the LSU nation to come along and root for the Bengals. Yep. Day, and then all the Detroit Lions fans are coming along and rooting for the Rams. And <laughs> one more segment, the St. Louis people. Shout yes. out to the St. Louis Rams. Are they? How do they feel right now? That's the question. Because I think it's pretty clear the Detroit Lions fans are ride or die for Stafford. But are St. Louis fans is still bitter? Or are they Rams fans? No, I think they're Rams fans. I think that I, you know that was that that was out of their control that the the team got moved back to LA. I mean, they just didn't have the money to to keep up with it especially with the projected new stadium that we've seen now that is glorious and is an absolute fortress of a building and is beautiful. Um plus I think if you're a Rams fan since birth just because they moved the team doesn't also like I don't think a Rams fan could then jump ship and be like, "All right, well, you know, now the closest team to us is Kansas City, so now we're going to be Chiefs fans." I don't think that's the case. So I think most Rams fans from St. Louis probably adopted the LA. And as they should, right? Yeah. As they should. Right. Like if the Giants, the Giants get moved to, I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> A boy can dream. If the, if the Giants get moved to <laughs> fucking Toronto, like they're I the hope. first Canadian team in the NFL, would you still be a Giants fan? Nah, gladly. No, I'm kidding. I probably would be, but also like it would probably give me a good reason to get out. It's okay. It's pretty rough. If you're here. looking to jump ship, I guess so. <laughs> then you can just adopt the Jets, and then you can go through five more decades of of torture. No, then I'll just honestly, what would happen? Say the Giants for some reason really just blew it up and left. I would become an NFL agnostic. I'm I'm like that's I'm, fair. I'm basically, especially with what you and I do on a week to week basis, and loving gambling the way that we love gambling. I could be an NFL agnostic with ease and enjoy football. Yeah, as much as I do. And the Giants are actually playing good football, yeah, but, even though I don't remember what that's like. Anymore. Yeah, like, you know, I'm a Brownies fan, but like I'm nowhere near a diehard Browns fan like certain people are for the NFL. Yes. Like my like my fandom for the Browns on a scale of one to ten is probably at like a seven. Like I don't live and die. And then your NFL fan is a nine or a ten. Exactly. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same way. I think we're on the same page with that, which some some people out there might hate people like you and I for. I know my boy Alec like hates me for that. 
Alec Argento on the podcast. That you're not a diehard t- fan of one, of your team? It breaks his brain. He doesn't understand that you could be a fan of a team but not put that team above all things. Like, even with the NBA, with the Knicks, I, I'm, I'm probably a bigger Knicks fan than any other team. Yeah. But I'll still put the NBA at large, like, right next to the Knicks with, like, how much I care about the overall product. Yeah, because think about breakdown and all that stuff. I think it does Alec was so like when the Yan- he's a big Yankees fan, right? Mm-hmm. So when the Yankees got eliminated, did he watch the rest of the postseason? Hurt. No, he's out. I don't get that. It depends. It depends on the, so like, how this can you, particular season. He was out. Not so how always. Can, but how can you sacrifice the rest of the postseason for a sport that you love watching just because your team's not in it? That breaks my brain. I, I would agree. But no, it's not every baseball playoffs when the Yankees are out, but certain ones that hurt in a certain manner, like losing to the Red Sox, perhaps. Is over. He's got to cut, cut ties. On, he's on to Cincinnati, literally. <laughs> like he's. <laughs> and I think it's a fair thing, and that's why I love having him on because we balance each other out. Like I'm always out here. And this will segue us back into the Super Bowl at some point. I promise. Like I'm always out here saying, "Ah, oh, Cinderella stories are cool," but they don't ever really win. Like seriously, think about Cinderella stories in March Madness. That's where they're most prevalent. They make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Good run. George Mason I made a final <laughs> four, I guess that one time, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like they make it and they win around, they win two rounds. Great story. Guess what? I kind of wish Duke was still in this. Like, you know what I mean? like, I, and he just doesn't get that. And yeah. I don't get the other thing, but that's why sports fans are sports fans. They, that's how they feel. Yeah. I just, I, and especially from a gambling standpoint, cause we, we love gambling so much. Like I, I, I can't be a diehard Knicks fan because I've now bet against them like seven consecutive games. So successfully, like, exactly. Because <laughs> like I know, and when you like when you love your team that much, you always want to see the positive. If you're unless you're like just like a negative, depressed fan, then it's like all right, I don't know why you even become a fan of that team or why you stick with that team. Then if you just hate them so much, so most diehard fans are positive. And if you're going into a game where you want to bet on it, you're always gonna most likely side with your team or find a way to bet your team even when you can't. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I've just not allowed myself to become diehard fans of any, of, of any team. Yeah, and, and even with that being said, I still sometimes fall into the trap, and the Rams are one of those teams for me where i just kind of been rooting for the Rams since the early McVay season. It's like, yeah, I kind of like their vibe. I like what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. I like, I've always been a Stafford defender, yeah. and this year I was burned by it on occasion, but it, you know it worked out okay. They're in the freaking Super Bowl. I had my preseason Super Bowl bet on them. Uh and they're not even like a team that I actually care about. I just happen to like some of their guys and whatnot. And I still end up like having a hard time betting against them, you know? So even, even in that regard, it's very difficult. But with the Cinderella idea, the Bengals are basically a Cinderella like you were outlining before. So my question to you is, is this one of those rare cases where they can complete the Cinderella story, right? And can you think off the top of your head, the Giants come to mind perhaps, but you think off the top of your head in recent years, a team that accomplished something like this, something maybe not like a second year star running the show and, and, and leading a team, maybe not even football. It could be any, any, you know, any, any sport, but something like this is unprecedented. Is there anything that jumps to mind? Is it just the giants? Is it just like the Oh one Patriots, perhaps the Oh like- one Patriots. Absolutely. The giants of 2008. I think, you know, we talked about it right before we started the Eagles too. Mm, right. Eagles of a couple of years ago. Absolutely, especially when Nick Foles quarterback goes down, backup comes in and wins the damn thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those 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 three teams right there: the Giants, both times probably, the Patriots of one and the Eagles. And I guess baseball definitely happens a little more frequently. Yeah, baseball doesn't count. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw baseball in there. 
and maybe the Raptors. Yeah. But they had Kawhi. Yeah. They were really good. And if you're not a casual, you knew that Kawhi was that dog. Right. Even even then. Like that will if you didn't know by at that point, then you're then you're a casual. But right. At that point, like that to me, that wasn't surprising because it was like, all right, Kawhi can can single handedly do this by himself. Um, but yeah, football, it's pretty hard to come by just because over the course of a now 17 game season, then plus three or four playoff games, usually at some point the cream will rise to the top. Like look at the last couple of Super Bowls, whether it's been the Chiefs or whether it was the Patriots with Brady every time, or the couple of times that Rodgers has gotten there. For the most part, one of the two of the out of the top five teams in the NFL are in the Super Bowl. Right. And this year you can make the argument that going into the playoffs, the Bengals were like, all right, they're a nice story. Maybe they can, you know, they should be able to beat the Raiders after that. Like it'll be a surprise if they beat the Titans. Then it'll be an absolute stunner if they beat the Chiefs. And they've done it all. And now, even though we're probably going to be betting against them <laughs> yet again, um, it would not totally shock me if they win just because of what we've seen them do now these last couple of weeks. And when you get a team like that, that is so mentally tough, that's the toughest thing to factor into any kind of betting or predicting a game is the mental makeup of a team. When you have a team like that, that is totally unflappable down 21, three on the road against probably the dynasty of the NFL now for the last three, four years, and they're still able to come back and do it. It seems like there's no deficit that counts them out of a game, right? Because they find ways, they find ways to get back in the games, whether it's special teams, the Bengals, I think are the least penalized team in the NFL. So they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot. That's the type of that's the type of shit that has gotten the Bengals here. And I got to be honest. With that being said, we'll start getting into some of our thoughts on these bets and how these this game might play out. That's what scares the hell out of me most. And people are asking me, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to make as my official pick for Super Bowl Sunday. Not talking about all these crazy props, but my actual game bet. Right? Do you go with the Rams minus four and a half? Do you start working the Patty Boyle teaser special? Do you go Rams money line just eat the minus two hundred because? What petrifies me, whether the Bengals can complete the comeback or not, is when they're down 17, clearly it ain't over. And the Rams are the type of team known to possibly take the, the foot off the throat, kind of pull back and try to not mess up rather than try to finish it. And I am petrified, especially after betting on the Chiefs last week and betting on the Chiefs the week where they lost to the Bengals in the regular season at the end there. It petrifies me to play against that team, despite the fact that even after their three playoff wins, they're still middle of the pack in all the efficiency stats. Like while other teams hasn't, haven't even played, they still are only 17th in DVOA, including their extra games without other people playing more games. Yeah. And the Rams are fifth, right? So clearly the Rams are more talented. Clearly they have a better roster top to bottom. And I'm still scared shit, Pat. I'm still shook out here. That's what Burrow has done. Confidently say Rams. Now I'm going to say confidently something in a few minutes, but are you feeling some of those same sentiments or are you, are you finding a more uh, firm grasp somewhere? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I'm a little worried just because again, you, you said it, you, it was, I think it was your friend that bet against the Eagles every game yep. during their Super Bowl run and lost every single time. Like that can happen. And it's not so not, not so much stubbornness because you like, again, I just laid out all the reasons why the Bengals have been able to keep winning games and the, the way that they could win this game. But at the end of the day, like I can't logistically and I can't work it through my brain to just be that type of person that says, you know what? Fuck it. Bengals are going to Bengals are going to find a way to do it somehow against all odds, because when we start breaking down this game, Pete, and we look at the biggest thing here 
in this matchup, it is that there is such a gigantic disadvantage for Cincinnati when you look at their offensive line versus this Goliath of a Rams pass rush and front seven. And the fact that the, the Bengals offensive line, which again is terrible. We saw Burrow get sacked nine times against the Titans. Now has to go up against Ashawn Robinson, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Troy Reader, Von Miller, plus then a secondary with the best cornerback in the NFL, one of the best cornerbacks in the last 10 years that we've seen in this league and a free safety in Taylor Rapp and, and Darius Williams, like all these guys have played up, you know, playoff. You have to rise to the occasion. They've all played well here in the playoffs and the defense. The Rams have been shutting teams down here in the postseason. They shut down San Francisco after they were beating the shit out of them for the last three years. They, they dominated Tampa Bay in the first half, nearly tried to choke and collapse that game. And that's the one thing that I do worry about here when you talk about a Cincinnati team that can come back from deficits is if the Rams build a double-digit lead, will they once again take their foot off the gas? And they dominated Arizona, though. So, again, it's this pass rush against the Bengals, their biggest weakness against the Rams' biggest strength. And just that alone, the fact that Burrow, every time he drops back, is probably going to almost be immediately under pressure. I, I can't work it through my brain to just say, you know what? Fuck it. Give me the Bengals here because I just think that's too much to overcome in this game. And the fact that not only are they the one of the best pass rushing teams that we've seen in the NFL over the last couple of years, the fact that their interior run defense too is great. Because you have some teams that get after the quarterback, but you can beat them on the ground. The Rams, not necessarily so. Like the biggest thing, their biggest kryptonite was San Francisco up until that NFC championship game, beating them six straight times because of all the jet sweeps they ran, all the times they were able to get Debo running the ball outside. They were when they had Raheem Mostert getting him running outside, forcing the Rams to be athletic and not just that big, gaudy, strong team that if you try to run in between the tackles, you're getting sandwiched and brought down immediately. The Bengals don't necessarily have that. Like Joe Mixon's great running back, right? He's been third in the NFL in running this year behind Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, but he's not a, he's not a burner. He's not somebody that can just get outside the tackles and just torch you. So they make a lot of their money running through the tackles, running between the guards. Their offensive line is pretty good with their, with their zone run scheme, but you can't do that against the Rams. So unless they find a way to somehow run the ball effectively, find a way to run the ball outside the tackles with, with Mixon, Maybe Zach Taylor gets creative and start and and pulls out some fucking jet sweeps with like Higgins or Jamar Chase. Right. And just to keep the Rams honest, I don't see how they're going to be able to run the ball effectively to keep the Rams pass rush honest. And I don't see how their offensive line is just all of a sudden going to wake up on Sunday and know how to pass block when they haven't been able to do it against inferior pass rushing teams. Now they've got to do it against the Rams with Aaron Donald and Robinson and all the guys I just mentioned that could potentially sack Burrow 10 times on Sunday. And you're making a lot of good points, and that's why I'm still leaning towards taking the Rams here. Let me give you an unscientific idea here to also go uh, go for the Rams and against the Bengals. What I keep thinking about is there has to be some regression. We saw them just get annihilated up front by the Tennessee Titans, and they overcame it. We saw them go down and against the Chiefs, and they overcame it. How many comebacks does a team have in the bag? It's unscientific, right? There's no specific. There's there ain't no stat that says how many comebacks a team has in the bag, right? That's not a thing. There might be octopus out there. There ain't, <laughs> there, there ain't this. So, in my brain, I keep saying it's gonna end at some point. It's gonna bite them in the ass at some point. And then a little more scientifically, they haven't been, and it's kind of a catch twenty two. They haven't been very efficient inside the red zone and inside the ten yard line. Once they get in there. They're not that good. They lead the league in touchdowns 
deep touchdowns, touchdowns that happen outside of the 30 yard line yeah. that, you know, go over the top to Jamar chase and T Higgins and Uzoma, whatever. Is that going to work in the Super Bowl against a team like the Rams? Are you going to be able to just rely on the deep shot? It reminds me of almost like the Houston Rockets, right? With James Harden and Chris Paul taking all these threes, trying to change the math, trying to change the game really, which they did in a lot of ways. They couldn't get over the hump because when they needed to hit all those deep shots, it didn't work out. They ran out of that positive regression, that positive luck. Something just fell off my desk. <laughs> like that, I really think if the Bengals can pull this off, it's equivalent to the Houston Rockets like winning a championship in one of those years. And you could argue they were good enough to do so. The Bengals are clearly good enough to do so. But is it going to hold up for the fourth game in a row where they're clearly not a dominant football team? They're not. No. They have dominant components that work in moments. And that's really what they've predicated this on and a composure. And I think now you think about the Rams who have a lot of, a lot of these players have been here before. This is Aaron Donald's second Super Bowl. This is McVay's second Super Bowl. This is um, Raheem Mo uh, Morris's, the defensive coordinator's second Super Bowl. A bunch of those players have been here. You know, it might be Matt Stafford's first go around in a real playoff run, but on the Bengals, they, I think I heard on, on the radio some sometime this week, they have one guy who's played in a Super Bowl ever, and Zach Taylor was the quarterback coach for the Rams Super Bowl run. Now the Rams have been also sleeping in their own beds, staying home for three weeks now. Yeah. Uh, two and a half, I guess, whatever, since the Bucks game ended, they've been home three weeks. They stayed home for the 49ers, regular routine. The week off, home, regular routine. Week leading up to the Super Bowl, home, regular routine. Bengals. Crazy win on the road. Crazy win on the road. Again, again. Now they show up in LA Tuesday, and for as cool, calm, collected as they have been all along, they are entering a different universe, the Super Bowl world. Does that play effect? I think all those factors combined lead me to more confidently say, I'm going to go with the Rams because I already think they're better. And I think a lot of this weird, random Super Bowl stuff is going to go in their favor too. Yeah, and I think the Super Bowl experience, again, different quarterback, Jared Goff, but the experience that McVay and the guys that were on the Rams roster had from Super Bowl 53 three years ago, I think that also plays a factor. You have that experience. You have that bad taste in your mouth. I think the, the moment was too big for McVay. The play calling was terrible. Goff was terrible. They had nothing on offense. You scored three points when you have two weeks to prepare for that. I mean, consequently, Belichick and the Patriots had two weeks to prepare on defense, and it showed that Belichick, again, once again, mastermind, the GOAT, the greatest coach of all time. But now you have that experience again. You have that two-week layoff after a 21-week season where it's one game, winner takes all. I think McVay can lean on that experience. I think Raheem Morris can lean on that experience. And I think that plays more of a factor than a lot of people think. You know, like, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, at 100%. And even like down the line to people who aren't as important, like Sony Michelle, he has that experience with the Patriots. He may not be the lead back right now, but he has the calm now for those running backs to be like, yo, listen, this is what it's like. You're going to go to this damn press conference. There's going to be a bunch of zoom recorders in your face. It's not that bad. Just smile and wave. You'll get through it. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff leads up, all that stuff helps. And I don't know. It, it, does it make me a little bit skeptical that Joe Burrow has been, so chill and so confident and that's been clearly rubbing off on his team that it won't affect them possibly like that affects me in the back of my head but all the reasoning like all the tangible reasoning behind it i 100 agree with you 
it has it has to mean something. Otherwise, you know, our whole life feels like a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and think and think about this too. Think about teams that had to get over that hump before they won a Super Bowl, before they won a title, whatever sport it would be. Like getting there and losing first is most of the times like a a predecessor, a prerequisite for then winning that title the second time. Again, I'm I'm not saying that just because the Rams lost Super Bowl three years ago now with a you know a similar roster and the same head coach, but a lot of different players. And now all of a sudden this means they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. But we've seen that a lot of times, right? Like the Bengals could easily go in there and their first Super Bowl chance and do it. But we saw it happen to Kansas City, right? They had to lose that excruciating game against the Patriots in the AFC title game to then get back over the hump and win the Super Bowl. We've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in baseball. So I think the fact that the Rams have that definitely helps them. And then, again, the fact is that you mentioned it. The Bengals don't have a dominant phase. They don't have a dominant side of the football one way or another. right? They've got a tremendous offense, and they've got an okay defense that has been kind of bend, don't break that they've been able to like kind of just use to get stops when they needed to, right? Like the Bengals don't have, I, I, it's honestly, that might be the biggest, the biggest shock to me is the fact that the Bengals defense has stood up so well. Yeah. They've got a great pass rush. Ogan Joby went down. They've got Hendrickson and Hubbard on the outside and DJ reader, but like they're secondary. They got Eli Apple. Who's terrible. Terrible. They've got, you know, Chidobia Wuzie and then Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Like as they're secondary, like th- those guys aren't making pro bowls. Mm. Like those, those aren't all pro corners or safeties there. And somehow they've been able to do what it takes to stop teams from passing against them. And, and they've found a way to, you know, be competent enough as a secondary. I don't, one, I don't know that they can do that against the Rams with cup and, and Odell and all the weapons they have. And two, again, like if you had a dominant defense that you could lean on to say, all right, like this, we're going to win the game with the defense, or we're just going to throw all over LA. Then maybe, Right, but their offense isn't better than the Rams' offense, at least not in my opinion. I know the numbers; they're they're kind of very even when you look at it. But in my opinion, their offense as a collective whole isn't as good as the Rams' offense, and their defense sure as hell isn't good as the Rams' defense. So unless they're going to win this game purely with special teams, if Evan McPherson is going to kick five fucking field goals again, maybe that's the way they can win this I'm pretty game. Sure we're gonna we're gonna get into our props and picks in, in a few minutes here for real, actually. But I'm pretty sure Evan McPherson's like plus. Like a hundred, like he's like plus like a hundred thousand to win the Super Bowl to MVP. Win, to win MVP, and it's not that crazy. It's really not. Like if he imagine it's like in the teens, this they game, would have to win. They, and he kicks five. Field yeah, goals. they would have to win this game like twenty-one to eighteen, and he'd have to kick five field goals. Tell me, tell me, it's not crazy. Or do I guess twenty-two to like eighteen <laughs> or twenty-two seventeen? He'd have to kick five field goals. That's the only way he's winning it. We'll look into that. What what the MVP uh, odds for him is, but it's it's a. It's true. I agree with you. And even like a guy like Jesse Bates, who I like a lot, he's not a fully rounded safety. Like he's good at pass coverage. He's not great at like finishing tackles and finishing up in the run game and stuff like that. And and, and Trey Waynes has been on every single Madden franchise fantasy draft team of all time because he's always available. Yeah. And you need a corner who doesn't completely <laughs> suck. And like I feel like that's just what he is in real life too. Like, so you got you got a team that despite all that being said is still scary because of what's happened, but all the, the signs lead towards the Rams. And what we haven't particularly talked about yet, Pat is the Ram strengths other than just saying they have strengths, right? Yeah. We talked about the defense being really good. We talked about the offense perhaps being better than the Bengals. But one thing I want to point to is a specific strength here. Yeah. They lost Rob Woods, which is a brutal blow because he's really talented, a great blocker as well. Odell Beckham Jr., Pat, 
is freaking back. He is playing seriously good football, running crisp routes, finishing catches, and having him around Cooper Cup is now not allowing teams to say, we are going to completely 100% sell out to stop Cooper Cup, which is what we all thought was going to happen for the longest time this season. It never did. And guess what? Cooper Cup is still torching people consistently. And now Odell in the playoffs has gone, I think he's gone over 50, 60 yards, and then over 100 the last game. So that's that's no joking. Tyler Hickman may be out. You still got two serious weapons, and I don't know if they got the dogs to slow him down. Yeah, and as a Browns fan, like I'm not sour at all, <laughs> right? Like I, I promise I'm not. Like it, there was. I hate myself. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? I'm sure. It was never going to work out in Cleveland. You know, Baker had a terrible season. He was hurt all year. He couldn't effectively get Odell the ball. And Odell wasn't helping things. And the fact that, you know, he was with Jarvis Landry, I think that was his his dog. That was the only reason he stayed there as long as he did. He was just kind of hoping and praying for something to turn around. But it was it just wasn't going to work in Cleveland, especially a team that's run first like the Browns. It wasn't going to work out. And he, where he was supposed to be the number one guy, and you're going up against the top corner from the other team, Odell wasn't playing up to his A A game week in and week out in Cleveland. Baker wasn't good enough to effectively get him the ball, and he was the number one guy. Now you've got a quarterback that has a rocket of an arm like Stafford. You're the number two guy behind Cooper Cup, and you've got more space and more time and more options, and you're on a winning team that you got added to at the end of the regular season who was one of the Super Bowl favorites. It was the perfect storm, and yeah, it could have went wrong, right? L.A., Hollywood, could have been distractions. Odell could have went there and fucked up, and and they could have just shipped him back or – he could have been a non-factor, but Odell took his star, his scars, and and he took him into L.A. and he took his his past where people had you know said, oh, he's done. He'll never be the guy he was. All he's good for is the three finger catch, and he's just a highlight real receiver, and he's never going to be a top receiver in the game. And he has silenced all of them. And you mentioned it. His route running has been fantastic. His ability to make catches in traffic and get yards after the catch. I mean, nine catches for 113 yards in the NFC title game behind Cooper Cup as the number one guy. Odell's been fantastic, and he's given this offense yet another weapon and another layer, more versatility to have to deal with if you're the Cincinnati defense. I think Odell deserves a lot of credit. I think McVay and the game plan they have deserves a lot of credit for how they've been able to bring him in, a guy like that, one of the biggest superstars, who is a, an enigma that can be so positive yet can also be so negative and so detrimental to your team. And they have just kind of worked him in so seamlessly. Yeah. It's, it's insane how much a narrative can change over time. And it went from amazing to bad, to really bad, to slightly okay again, then worse. And now it's like back. Right. And he's in a contract year. Guess what? My, my, my man might get paid. After oh, he's going to get paid. Especially if he shows out in the Super Bowl. Man, I mean, the Rams might want to pay and they might not be able to with all the stuff they got on the books already. And it, it maybe it helps them a lot that Cooper Cup is that dude right now, but you cannot take away from Odell what he's accomplished, especially in the past handful of weeks that he's actually in the system. On the Cooper Cup front, Pat, you've been on this. Wait, what do you got? Yeah, just, I was just you're going to say, like, look at, look at some of these games Odell had earlier in the year with Cleveland. One catch, six yards, two oh, catches, God. 18 yards, two catches, 28 yards, one catch, seven yards. Ugh. I mean, it was like was brutal. It was like the idea of him even getting involved with Cleveland's offense was such a long shot idea. Yeah, it was like, ugh, God, they have Odell. But like, what are the odds he even catches a touchdown like a pass? 
He might not. He might get one, like you said, one for seven. You get two targets, 13 yards. Like that was the reality for one of the most electric receivers we ever saw. Yeah, and, and again, Baker was a problem. Stefanski's play calling was a problem. They just refused to commit to him as their number one guy. And he got himself out of there. Again, I'm not sour because it was never going to work. It was not going to work. And I'm glad I'm happy for Odell because he's never really not like a piece of shit. Like he's a lot of people want him to be though. A lot of people do want him to be. And you know, again, like for the whole, like when he had the, the chick at his house and the cocaine, like picture or whatever on the pizza box, like you want to try to tear down the guy's whole career because of that or anything else, try to find anything to smite him for. That's fine. Like, again, you know, these guys are in the public limelight getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you want to try to tear him down in any way? Be my guest. But right. I've never been a guy that's hated Odell. I don't think I've ever really had a reason to. Yeah. Um, other than that, he just talks a lot and he's flashy and, you know, kicking the, the field goal net when he's with the Giants and complaining when he didn't get the ball. Okay, okay that's fair. But we see how talented he is. So yeah. I've never been someone that, that has hated Odell. And I'm not, again, I'm not sour that he's left Cleveland and now he's in the Super Bowl. What bothered me about Giants fans always hating him, or not all of them, but a lot of them really hating him so much because it was clear to me that his frustration was so rooted in the fact that he was pissed the team sucked. Yeah. And the team was bad. The offense was terrible outside of Odell Beckham Jr. Would you not be frustrated as a young man who lit the world on fire, probably added two years uh, to Eli Manning's career, and now all of a sudden you know, we can't score more than 20 points in a game? Uh, you know, would you act that way? No, it's not an excuse. But his his frustration frustration was always rooted in the Giants being a bad team. And then in Cleveland, it was, you know, didn't really have as many antics. It wasn't really that loud for him. There was a lot of stuff around him, but it wasn't him being dramatic. So I'm with you. I always root for Odell. And that's another reason why I'm rooting for the Rams now. But let's switch wide receivers real quick here, Pat. Talk about our, our guy, Cooper Cup, and your guy, Cooper Cup. You've been beating the drum that Cooper cup needs to get serious MVP talk for weeks and weeks and weeks. Let's talk it one step further, Pat. We got Cooper cup, not just having a record breaking regular season, but a chance to have a record breaking new precedent setting postseason. So one of the best postseasons in the history of football here is Larry Fitzgerald in 2008 in their super bowl run. He went six for one Oh one, a touchdown. Eight for 166, a touchdown. Nine for 150 and three touchdowns. Yeah, it's crazy. Seven for 127, two touchdowns. Just just silliness. Absolute silliness. Right now. That's easy to forget about, too. Because they lost. Yeah. Because they lost. So now, Cooper Cup, a little bit quiet in the Arizona game, but they really, they were murdering. They were crushing the Cardinals. So you almost want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Only five for 61, still scored a touchdown. Then he had nine for 183 and a touchdown, 11 for 142, and two touchdowns. So basically, and I'm I'm not going to be able to do the quick math here, but if Cooper goes nuclear here and scores a touchdown or two, again, in the Super Bowl, and the Rams win, he has a serious chance to win MVP uh, in this game, which we'll talk about those odds in a minute. And he can now be put up as perhaps one of the best, if not the best season, start to finish, regular and post, in wide receiver History. history, history, in history. That's it. Mark them up. Send them to freaking Canton. Not really, because it's only been you know. A couple <laughs> years. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do, do you, he, nine for one eighty three, followed up by eleven for one forty two and two touchdowns. When everybody and their mother 
knows that Matt Stafford is staring at Cooper Cup on third down and you still can't guard him? Yeah. That's what we've been watching. And we might see it again because the Bengals might not be able to stop him either. No. I mean, he's got uh, he's 50 yards shy of 2,000 receiving yards for the season, 16 touchdowns. And again, the biggest game yet to come here against the secondary that he should easily be able to put up those numbers again. Like they're like, if I saw Cooper cup go 10 for 170 and two touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. He's that fucking good. He is one of the best route runners. If not the best route runner in the game, his ability to get the ball and know exactly where to go afterwards, not just in terms of like his route running and not just terms of like just exactly where to go to get the most yardage on every single play. He's strong as hell. You don't realize how strong he is. He's fast as hell. And the fact that he can break tackles and run like a running back when he gets the football, I, I, I still feel like he doesn't get enough credit, Pete. And I still don't feel like Cooper Cup gets enough credit. I, I think he is right up there with Devontae Adams as, as the best wide receiver in the game. Maybe a little disrespect to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you know, Hop's been hurt now for the rest of this year, so it's right. easy to take him out of the equation. Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, to me, top two receivers in the NFL. And the fact that the Rams have him, again, they are like they that you have to give that so much weight just because of how goddamn dangerous he is every time he's out in the open field. So his over under Pat is 106.5. And, you know, the odds are even. It's minus 115. If you're watching on YouTube, you're, you can see it right there on DraftKings. Uh, feels like a very fair number. And it feels like a number I'd feel very confident to take the over. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm going to actually make this a straight bet, but I, I, you know, I think I might, because guess what? This dude gets a hundred freaking yards with his eyes closed. In his sleep. And, yeah. Apparently he just gets a buck with his eyes closed. So one Oh six feels very fair and almost too easy for, for Cooper cup and the way Matt Stafford has peppered him. It's not crazy to think he'll get there with relative ease and Odell Beckham, who we just talked about, 63 and a half on the over under and in the playoffs he's been right around that or above and then smashed it in the conference championship game what about the 63 and a half for odell yeah that one i like as well that's actually i gave that out and I, I hosted a cbs uh sports radio show back on saturday and i said that was one of the props i liked odell to go over um because you know again it's not just so much of like oh cincinnati's going to try to double double Cooper Cup like teams have tried to double him it doesn't work one and then two you have one less um you know defensive back to then cover Odell Beckham or to cover Tyler Higby again we don't know if Higby's going to play or not but there's other weapons it's not just like it's Cup and and Beckham and and that's it that's the Rams offense and somehow teams have not found a way to stop it teams have tried to stop it because then you also have Akers and Michelle that can run the ball You've had Higby. You've had Van Jefferson earlier in the year. They had Robert Woods. So there are other options. You can't just say, oh, it's so easy to just double double Cooper Cup or to just neutralize Odell and worry about Cup beating you. No, they're both that good. And the fact that you've got both guys lined up on opposite sides and sometimes on the same side every play, I, I, I like them. I think if you I, honestly, I think if you're going to take one, you might as well take both to go over. Yeah. Because they just they both what they both busted hundred last game. The, the the chances are that Cup goes twelve for one hundred and eighty, and then Odell only goes four for fifty is very slim. Right. If if Cooper Cup is going off, there's a good reason to believe the offense is going off, and that means someone else is getting a chunk. Yeah, and because that most likely he's going to be Odell. because then Cincinnati's going to be forced to try to double team Cooper Cup, and that's going to leave Odell Beckham in advantageous positions. And also, you're trusting Matt Stafford to get them the football. 
Like if you have a big time receiver, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, who's a who's a who's a stud wide receiver that has a bad quarterback? Usually you don't see it because it's hard to Terry McLaurin. Yeah, that's a good one. And he had yeah, some, scary Terry. He had some duds because of it. Yeah. So when you have Stafford getting them the football, you're trusting not only them to run their routes and catch the football and get the yak yards, but you also know that their quarterback's going to be able to lead them, going to be able to throw the ball, put it on their hands, and they're not going to drop it. Yeah. And, and on the receptions front, do you have a lean there? Or is that I don't personally, I don't tend to to bet these numbers and they're begging us to take the over since Cooper Cup here and Odell Beckham are both, you know, plus 105 and plus 100 on their respective reception totals. You know, Cup at eight and a half, Odell at five and a half. You know, I, I don't have a real strong lean here because they can break big ones and that lessens the chance to hit nine catches or six catches for these two. So I, I don't know. Is reception something you'll play around with here or do you like to stick towards more uh, more towards the yards? Yeah, I'm usually with you with the yardage just because these two guys are so good with the yak yards and they're so good with uh, as deep ball threats that they're not big volume guys. They're not big volume guys like a Devontae Adams, like a DeAndre Hopkins. Right. They're the, they're the deep ball threats. Um, so Odell, I probably won't mess around with the receptions, but Cooper Cup, again, the fact that we've seen him how many games this year has he caught double-digit passes? Crap time. Well, he, he went over eight and a half, two out of the three playoff games. Yeah, and I, I got it I got it pulled up here. He's got it. He's had to have had half the games where he's had 10 catches or more. Seven, nine, five. nine, five, seven, nine, ten, eleven, eleven, thirteen, ten. Okay, so yeah, so he's had six games of double-digit catches. So again, uh, just like you, I, I I would rather mess with the receiving yards, uh, just because those guys are yak yard artists rather than the catches themselves. But if you are going to take one, I would take up. And now on the Bengals front, and we're going to start rattling off more of these 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 bad ideas here. On the Bengals front, obviously the most popular guy to talk about to pick for to score a touchdown, <coughs> excuse me, to take his over to do everything is Jamar Chase. That makes me a little nervous, right? When it's so obvious and that, you know, you could probably make the same argument about Cooper cup, but he's been a different level of consistent this year. Jamar chase has been awesome, but he hasn't been that level of consistent, right? 78 and a half. It's almost like a little bit of a teasy number to me. 78 and a half for Jamar chase. Do you know anybody out here who's going to take the under on Jamar chase? Oh, there will be some people that take it. And, and that, that, that so, yardage has actually come down, Pete. I saw that at 81 and a half. Back. So you think it's been, it's already been bet down. Yes. I've wow. seen, I saw that at 81 and a half last Saturday when I was doing my show. And I said, I'm not going to touch the Jamar chase one because you had a big press conference, a uh, big media interview with Jalen Ramsey and, and Irvin, mm-hmm. where he basically said, I'm not shying away from the opportunity. You know, it wasn't Jalen Ramsey's become, kind of quieted like he has fully let his playing do the talk where you couldn't get him to shut the hell up when he was in Jacksonville because <laughs> he was trying to tell everybody I'm the best corner in the NFL now we know it right, right. now we don't have to we don't we, we don't he doesn't need to say it. we know he is so he's let his play do the talking so he didn't kind of talk too much smack and he also actually gave Jamar Chase a lot of credit as being he's like he's one of the best receivers in the game so uh but that being said I think that's just so tough to to kind of predict how many man coverage schemes we're going to see the Rams in, how many times Ramsey's going to be one-on-one with Jamar Chase because we've seen the best wide receivers line up against Jalen Ramsey and we've seen them get shut down. So if if you get out of, let's see, I'm just trying to think here, 12 targets for Jamar Chase, if eight of them is when Jalen Ramsey's on him one-on-one, he's probably not going to hit that. But if you get a lot of zone, if anytime the Rams are playing zone, they throw him the football, Maybe he's got a shot, and you again, you get one fifty-yard catch, you get one big play, and you're basically three fourths of the way there to getting his yardage. So Jamar Chase, I'm not taking. 
Um, I would honestly, if you're going to take somebody from Cincinnati, the person I would take would either be Boyd or Higgins. So what do you think? I have this pulled up now. If you're feeling this sort of way that you kind of just laid out here, that there's a real reason to believe the Rams idea and Jalen Ramsey's idea is to shut down Jamar Chase. Not Do not let him beat us, right? Don't let him beat us. So many teams have failed to do so this year. What about the idea of taking him under? With DraftKings, you could do alt-line under 84.5. T. Higgins over his standard 64.5. And Boyd at his 44.5 over. Is that too much to now bet on two of the other receivers? Like, Do you think basically if Jamar Chase gets shut down, somebody has to get the yards? Or is there a better chance that if Jamar Chase gets shut down, this offense might just struggle and then you can't trust two other guys to go over? Boyd, Boyd, I'm I'm iffy on just because he's been a dud for the most part here in the playoffs. Like he's four for twenty six and a touchdown against Vegas, two for seventeen against Tennessee, four for nineteen against the Chiefs. So you, yeah, but th- then again, that's because CJ Uzama's been such a big part in this offense. True. Now, if you, I mean, Uzama's vowing that he's going to play right with the MCL injury, with the knee injury. You've got to wait if you're going to take anything with the Bengals receivers for CJ Uzama, in my opinion, because he has been such an integral part in this offense over the last couple of weeks. You've seen like week by week watching these Bengals games, how much trust Joe Burrow has developed with CJ Uzama as his tight end, that he has been such a big part, especially going over the middle, especially against teams that have good secondaries, but the linebacking coverage is not that great. You can exploit it with your tight end. So if Uzama plays, I would probably. I wouldn't go anywhere Boyd. I think the three biggest weapons then are obviously Chase, Higgins, and Uzama. If if CJ Uzama does not play, then I like that same game parlay you just had up there, Pete. Right. We have Jamar Chase's under, and you have Higgins and Boyd's over. As it currently stands here on this Wednesday night, where if we don't know if Uzama's going to play, the one you currently have on your computer, I love that play. Yeah, you go Jamar Chase under 84.5, T. Higgins over 64.5, plus 180. Some nice little juice there. Uh, on that simple play, betting against Chase, but still on one of the Bengals. And then that makes you think there's this prop here on DraftKings for who's going to have the most receiving yards in the game. And if you want it to go somebody who's not Cooper Cup because he's plus 120, T. Higgins comes into play as a nice little option there at plus 600, uh, who does not likely is is not likely going to see a Jalen Ramsey locking him down. Yeah, I think you, you'd, you'd either have to take Higgins or Odell. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, if you want to take Cooper Cup and put uh, some more money on it because it's really, really likely to happen, all power to you. If you're trying to have a crap ton of fun and probably lose some money, then you go with T. Higgins. Well, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, when you're going, when you're placing a bet like that, most receiving yeah. yards, you want to take the guy that gives you the best value. A little juice, actually. We want some juice out here, of course. So, Cooper, again, everybody thinks Cooper Cup's going to go for 110. He probably will. <laughs> but at the same time, like if T Higgins, if they if they go man coverage with Ramsey on chase as many times as they can, and T Higgins goes 12 catches for 150 yards, that's going to win you the bet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk touchdowns here. We talked yards there for some of our guys. Actually, before we talk touchdowns, let's talk about some of our running backs. Is is there a chance that any running back really shows out here? Because both running games have been subpar recently. But Mixon's clearly the best running back, or at least healthiest best running back. As can make, as you could probably argue, if he's full health. But is there a chance either of these running backs or running back groups really do something special here? Because uh, they haven't done much, and especially with the Rams' defense being strong. What do you feel about rushing props, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns? Anything you feel good about with Mixon or Cam Akers or Michelle or whatever? 
Yeah, with the Rams, the fact that you've got to worry about Akers and Michelle, and Akers is obviously a little banged up with the shoulder. I don't think I want anything to do with the Rams running game because what? What is Akers? 62 and a half. To me, that's way too high for a, a team that uses um that uses Sony Michelle like somewhat of a of, of a you know with with so many reps to the point where it's not being dominated by Akers. So the 62 and a half Cam Akers. I don't want to touch I, that again. I, I probably wouldn't take the under either. And I'm seeing here on DraftKings, they don't even have Sony Michelle up there for rushing yards. So they really don't think he's going to get any carries whatsoever. Uh, but with, with Joe Mixon, again, he's going to get probably 17 to 22 carries here. And he's gone 48, 54, and 88 here in the playoffs. So he's gone under twice and he's gone over once. Again, I just think if they're going to try to run the ball in between the tackles against the Rams, they're going to have no success. And the other thing, too, I think the way that this game script is probably going to go, Pete, I do think the Rams are going to be out to a 10-point lead at some point in the third quarter, which at that point then, we've seen the Bengals, even when they were down 21-3 against the Chiefs, they were still trying to run the ball somewhat. I don't know how much you can do that as well, right? Like, it's so hard to stick to that game plan in the Super Bowl with all that pressure. If they go down two scores... I'm not going to say they're going to totally abandon the run game, but Mixon's probably only going to get about 14 or 15 carries rather than at that 20 to 22 range that you want to see him at if you're going to bet his rushing yards. So I don't think I'm touching any running back props here in this game. Yeah, I'm looking at this one for funsies here. Player with the longest rush. Samaj Pirine at plus 900. He has the, uh, the the makeup to bust a big one. Unfortunately, it seems to usually be in like the screen game yeah. or, or the passing game. So I think I'm with you. The rushing... The, the way the rushing is going to go in this game is going to say a lot about this game, but it also has very variable outcome possibilities. Like if the Rams do what they want to do, Mixon's going to be in for a rude awakening and he might have 17 for 32 yards and that'll be ugly. Yeah. Right. So maybe the unders are the way to go on both fronts, Cam Akers and Joe Mixon. Um, but life's pretty short. Pat. I don't know if you heard that. So overs are more fun to bet. Yeah. <laughs> That's there's nothing worse than having the under for anything and and like praying for action to stop happening, praying right. for there to be no points, praying there for it to be no yards, even though you're technically winning until you're losing. Exactly. But it just feels terrible. It does. It feels so terrible. All right, let's talk about some touchdown props here and, and who we think is going to get in the end zone. And then we can get to the parlays and make our final picks on this episode before it starts getting too long here. So very simply, first touchdown scorer, Pat. Is there one or two, perhaps three players who you are gonna gonna maybe sprinkle something on for first touchdown? Obviously, once you put more than two on first touchdown, the the payback doesn't usually always pay out. But is there anyone you're targeting for that first touchdown of the game? Such a fun bet to make in the Super Bowl. Fun bet to make on any game you're watching, realistically. But specifically this one, some of the odds we got: Cooper Cup plus five hundred, Mixon and Acres plus seven fifty. Chase 800, OBJ 900. Then you get into some frisky stuff all at plus 1,200 or better. T. Higgins, Higby, Uzama, et cetera. Yeah, well, I think the most fun ones are always to take the quarterbacks, right? Because those you get just the most absurd odds. There's probably plus 3,000. Yep, Burrow plus 3,000 and Stafford plus 4,000. If you are going to take one, you'd have to take Burrow. Right, I don't think I don't think Matt Stafford has a prayer of of running the ball in for a touchdown, uh, especially on the first drive. That being said, crazy things have happened before. Um, I'm not I'm not taking either quarterbacks here in this one. The one I do love, if he does play, 
because I, I really have grown very fond of him, is C.J. Uzama plus 1,600 to score the first touchdown. If you think Cincinnati's going to score first when they get down to the red zone, you said it. They've had so much trouble punching the ball in, mm. especially when, you, when you're imagining both receivers, uh, especially uh, Jamar Chase is going to have a tough time in the red zone against Ramsey. What do you do? You get Uzama over the middle against the linebackers. You get him a little hook route if it's like first and goal from the six or you know goal to go from inside the eight-yard line. I like CJ Azama at plus 1600. Consequently for the Rams, if I'm taking anybody, it would be Odell, right? Mm -hmm. Just because again, with these, you're, you're looking for value and Cooper cup plus 500. That is the most expensive one for the first touchdown score. So I think uh, they'll, they'll throw the ball to, to Odell in the red zone, just as much as they would Cooper cup. He's been good in that spot. He has been. And I'm pretty sure. Did he score the first touchdown, in the NFC title game? I believe so, but don't quote me. because I, I don't fully remember. I think he did though. I, I think he did. I do believe he did, and he's what plus nine hundred, plus nine hundred. Correct. Yeah. If I'm taking, if I'm taking anybody for the Rams, it would be Odell. If I'm taking anybody for Cincinnati, it would be C.J. Uzama if he does play. And I've got the play-by-play -play pulled up here. First touchdown in that game for the Rams, and it was that was Cooper Cup. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 it was Cooper Cup plus five hundred. How you doing? Yeah. yeah well, right, so, hey, look, I'm pretty sure Odell scored the first touchdown uh, in one of these. He did. He definitely did. It had to have been against Tampa. Well, now I'm destined to prove that I was right on one of these. <laughs> why? Why you look that stuff up? Let me let me mention this. If you're looking at the screen on YouTube here, what about if you want to just get wild with it, right? Which which it's always fun to get a little wild here. You can throw five bucks, Pat, on the Cincinnati Bengals defense to score the first touchdown. One fit. You'd win one fifty five plus three thousand. Is that a crazy thing to do? Is that like, if you're just going to put five or 10 bucks, if you're just trying to get frisky with it, is that the, is that the defense you would bet on? If you had to pick a defense to, to score the first touchdown of the game, would you pick Cincinnati or LA? Well, yeah. So I, I get this, this depends on where you think these quarterbacks are or where you think these teams are, right? Cause we, we saw Stafford throw a couple of pick sixes early on during that swoon that LA had. Uh, mid-late season before they won three out of four to end the regular season. So if you think Matt Stafford, if this if the game is too big for him and you think, and if you're Matt Stafford doubter, maybe you think, all right, another Stafford pick six. And if you think the Bengals are going to win the game, that would be a great way to start it off with a pick six. So, But consequently, if you're the believer like me that the Bengals offensive line is terrible like it is and the Rams pass rush is that damn good, maybe a strip sack of Joe Burrow, run it back for a touchdown, that's when you would bet the Rams defense to score a first touchdown. But um, no, I, I don't think either of those would happen. So what you do, Pat, and if you want to be the really cool guy at your Super Bowl party, is you bet the Bengals to win the toss and then they defer, right? They'll defer, obviously, as, as football teams tend to do. Rams will get the ball first. Bengals pick six to the crib. You hit both those bets. You're the coolest guy at your party. And then everyone's like, wow, you must have bet on the Bengals. No, then you still bet the Rams. Anyway, Rams come back and win. And it, you're just, you're that guy. You are the guy that's your world party. Everyone's like, are you, are you from the future? It's like, that's crazy. You bet on the Bengals to win, first, score the first touchdown, win the coin toss, and the Rams to win the game. And it happened. That would be some shit. God, I'm going to do that and hopefully be really cool in front of my mom and dad. <laughs> is that what, you, what are your zero plans? Yeah, yeah, my parents are coming. coming okay. over. Yeah, no, I usually yeah. watch the game with my family or my friends. I, honestly, I don't have anything big planned. I'm yeah. working the Fandal six. There you go. So the I'm getting the, back. The as lady friends' parents are coming over. We're doing a little family thing. Some very adult stuff. Oh, know? beautiful. Very nice. Adults. You got some wine and cheese? Of course. Oh, a little charcuterie board? Yeah, I'm probably going to slam some Guinness. 
Oh, oh Guinness. We should have done Super Bowl snacks to kick off the podcast. We still can. Too late. We, we still do, can. We can do whatever the hell we want. Um, <laughs> so that's that. I'm probably now that I said it on the pod too, you know I'm actually gonna do that, but I'll probably put five or ten bucks on it. And so when I lose, I don't have to tell anybody, and then I don't have to be the not cool guy at the Super Bowl party <laughs> with my mom and dad. <laughs> so let's get back to touchdowns here. Um, now that we've gone through the first touchdowns, um, anytime touchdowns, a much more simpler game, maybe some stuff you want to throw into your same game parlay. You know, you don't have to worry about so much that Cooper Cup is minus 190. It doesn't hurt when you're throwing into a same game parlay if you think he's going to score a touchdown. So you get there. Maybe you're thinking about some other legs. But if you're throwing in any touchdown props today, anytime touchdown scores solo or in your same game parlays, who are you looking at? Maybe outside of Cooper Cup or you want to talk about him again? Go ahead. Yeah, outside of well, yeah, I mean, again, I think that's that's a good bet. There's a reason why bet. he's minus one ninety. Yeah. Everybody else is basically even money or plus money. So if you're throwing cup in, it's going to be in the same gamer. I would never throw minus one ninety on its own just for him to score a touchdown because you never know what can happen. Um, but other guys I like here to for an anytime touchdown score. Just looking at it here again, I like T Higgins plus one seventy five. I think that's a good bet to make. Um, if you're of the belief that if the Rams get down in uh, goal to go position and they swap in Sony Michelle instead of Cam Akers, because Cam Akers is even money, but Sony Michelle is plus two forty, and who's to say that once they yeah. get down at the goal line that they're not going to go to Michelle? That would that would be a good bet at plus two forty, and um, and then another one I like just as a long shot um, would probably be Samaje P Ryan. Honestly, yeah, me too. We saw him break one against Kansas City. He's plus four hundred. I like that one. You throw you throw some Ajay P Ryan in like the long in the long shot parlay kind of yeah like the like, five the five dollar to one thousand same yeah parlay. Just get really frisky with it and just throw it in with some some nice yardage totals maybe you take Odell from that sixty eight spot and you put him up to like seventy eight eighty eight really just jack it up there uh, Matt Stafford to throw over two and a half touchdowns something like that and you just get wild with it maybe honestly if you're gonna do P Ryan you can do a Joe Burrow passing touchdown prop. Because Samaje Piran scores so often in the air. Yeah, he's not he's not, he's not running a he's not running. He might not even get a single carry. Yeah, that's not that's not his job. So that's an interesting one. So I'm kind of with you here. And again, Joe Mixon running it in, very, very possibly he's done that a bunch this year. So another guy to throw into your same gamers and and start to to build that thing up. Um, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, Pat, the yards are pretty lofty. It's pretty high. 273 for Joe Burrow, 281 for Matt Stafford. That's like, that's not, that's not low. No. And I think that goes to show what we were talking about earlier with how this game may play out, why we don't like any of the rushing props. Both of these teams, even though they try to commit to the run, they usually end up slinging it and they end up slinging it deep. So as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, any props that stand out to you, do you like the overs? Do you think there's going to be points here? Take take your uh, chance to talk about the total as well, if you, if you may here. Yeah, I like Stafford. I like his yardage. Again, I just think Cincinnati's secondary is is very mismatched having to having to try to guard Cup and Odell. Um, so I like Stafford over two eighty. What is it? Two eighty one and a half. I like Stafford over two eighty one and a half. I wouldn't bet Burrow unless you think that the Rams are going to blow out the Bengals and that they're going to have to basically strictly throw the football from the third quarter on. And that's the only way you're going to get Burrow over the 273 and a half. I don't think their offense is good enough to just be throw. Like we said, they're going to have to commit to the run. And I think the fact that you've got the, the you've got Ramsey in the secondary to limit Jamar chase. And the fact that CJ Uzama might not play. 
that limits the Bengals' weapons. I would not take Burrow's passing yards again unless you think they're going to get blown out because he only went for, what, 250 against the Chiefs? Correct. 250 against the Chiefs. He went bonkers with for 348 the week before. Um, but for against Vegas, 244. Yeah, and that's, so and that's a bad secondary. Vegas with a terrible secondary, he only went for 244. So that just goes to show you then, well, against a good secondary that LA has, I'm not touching that unless you think that it's going to be blowout city and he's only going to be racking up basically garbage yards. And and you know what? You start looking at these odds and you start thinking about our final picks here. Joe Burrow touchdowns at over one and a half is minus 180. Matt Stafford, one and a half is minus 230. Vegas telling us it's more likely for Stafford to throw the touchdowns, more likely for Stafford to throw for more yards, It's more likely for Cooper Cup to score touchdowns. And all these things kind of adding up, starting to make you feel like it's just more likely that the Rams are going to take the cake here. I mean, they're four points favorites. Now, if you're starting to combine something, I don't have to put you too much on the spot here. You're starting to combine stuff here, maybe with a money line, maybe with an over tease or some sort, some sort of a play on an over or under. What are you throwing in? What are you what are you looking at? What are you throwing together? Are you trying to throw in a field goal prop? Are you getting really wild? Start start planning something for me here, Pat, live in the flesh. What are you throwing in there? If you're starting to think about your Ram players, your Bengal players, your money lines, your over-unders, what's your what's your strategy crafting a same game or t- uh this Sunday? I think I'm just gonna go for what I think is is a given and what I think is as close to automatic as I can get. And honestly, Pete, I hate the over-under in this game. Mm. You know, the, the Patty B same game teaser. I usually have a pretty good feel. I don't have a feel for this one. Mm. I don't have it many ways. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can again because I think the way that this game is probably going to shake out, the Rams get to a 10-point lead. The Bengals then have to try to throw to abandon the run game. Maybe they get back in it. Maybe they don't. And maybe the Rams just totally blow them out like. 20, 27 to 10, 27 to 13. And that over is not hitting. Consequently, maybe it's a tight game. It's back and forth. And it's like a, and it's a 28, 24 game and the over hits. And also maybe the Rams are blowing them out and then it's garbage time and the Bengals rack up like 10 points late and it's like 34 to 21. Right. And that's how you get the over. But I could, again, I could very well see this being like a 27 to 13 final where the Rams dominate them. So, I, but I I don't want any part of the over-under. All right, so let's build this out live. Me and you are both on the Rams, so we're going Rams money line right now. You want, you want, you want to do yours first? Oh, I think we should do this one together, live, okay. live and uncut. To me, what I think the, the two most givens are, the things that I'm most confident, the Rams win the game, and Stafford throws for a bunch of yards. Okay, so we look for Stafford passing yards. You want to go over 279? Give me 250. Let's see what 254.5 in Rams money line. Boom. Wow. Go actually go two twenty nine and a half. That might still be minus one twenty. That's okay. not bad. And I think yeah, I would go if you maybe maybe we can take some points then with the Rams. Take the four and a half. No no no. It? Meaning like get them like plus two. Oh oh. Let's see if we get them plus two in Stafford over two hundred and fifty four and a half yards. What that gives us. Oh, wrong guy. No yeah. Um, oh yeah yeah. The Bengals plus two and a half. Yeah, what am I out here? They're on the left. Oh, there we go. All right, good radio. We got the Rams plus two and a half. Stafford over. Yeah, bump me up to 254 and a half with Stafford. I'll go there. And we'll get, I think we're going to get plus odds here. Plus 100. That's kind of a nice play there, Pat. Stafford 254 and a half over. 
Rams plus two and a half, which you know you could you probably can, get them plus three, and we'll have like minus one fifteen. Three and a half would make would make you a little happier there. Let's try that out because realistically, I don't love to tease through zero. Yeah, I don't unless like, you're getting just, it to, unless you're getting it to a field goal. It's just yeah, it's just kind of not the, those points are just not worth the same amount as one other points are worth. So let's see if we get them to plus three and a half. How much that screws us over? Minus oh, one fifteen. That's beautiful. We're gonna line this one up. I think I right? might I might place that tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Staff might place that tonight. Four and a half over Rams plus three and a half minus one fifteen. If you want to play this game pretty much straight up, this is a fun way to do it. That you is like the that Rams. Is, I'm going to get a buffer. I will place that bet, Pete. And then I will tell you what, I'll place Rams money line and Stafford 229 and a half. There you go. I'll place them both. Wow. I love that. All right. Let's build a crazy one. <laughs> That's the bet. Those are the bets I'm placing right now. I'm telling you right now. I love it. Rams money line and Stafford over 229 and a half yards. Rams plus three and a half. Stafford over 254 and a half. That's fantastic. I think I'm going to probably ride that as well. The podcast picks are, are going to be hot. I can feel it. I'm going to also let's, let's get frisky now. I'm going to get a little frisky here, Pat. I'm I'm just going to go Rams money line. Okay. I'm just going to throw in my OBJ touchdown prop that I want to see happen. I can feel it happening, and we're going to just couple that up with uh, we're going to couple that up with some T Higgins action, but we're going to lower it down to 54 and a half. Gonna lower T Higgins down to 54 and a half because I think there I don't want to go under Jamar Chase. Yeah, just I'm because scared. you're you're gonna yeah, you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself if he even if if they do get him the ball when they're playing zone and he still goes for like 90 yards. Exactly. And you know, the two plays that Jalen Ramsey doesn't guard him and he gets two 40 yard catches. I'm I don't want to see that happen. <laughs> you're gonna kill yourself on myself here, right? And I think T Higgins can succeed with or without success from Jamar Chase. 54 and a half. We're already at plus 290 now. We're at plus 290. And then I'm looking for, do they not have the MVPs in here? Oh, no. That's okay. We're, maybe they do here. Oh, they, no. they don't. That's unfortunate, but we're, we're going to survive, and we're going to go up to passing props here, and we're going to take uh, we're gonna take the Stafford. Where's the Stafford touchdowns at? Right up the top. I pass it? Right under Joe Burrow touchdowns. This and is going to be, this is juicy. And we're going to take Stafford two plus. I would consider three plus. What was that? That's not that much. Yeah. You'd have to go three plus to make it worth it. <sighs> I'm kind of happy with where it is to not make it too crazy. Plus two ninety. Rams money line, OBJ touchdown. No Stafford, three touchdowns, <laughs> Stafford, three touchdowns, Higgins, 54 and a half. Plus four twenty five. I'm feeling it, and I'm booking it. I'm booking. This yeah, one. you're booking that one. I'm gonna book this one. I'm gonna book it. It's right up my alley. The Stafford three touchdowns is just lofty enough to make you feel it in your in your veins, get the blood flowing a little bit. Um, but it's not that crazy because they don't score many rushing touchdowns. At no, this, they don't at this point in time. So they're in the air a lot. And I expect them to continue to do so. Um, so I'm feeling this one. Feeling pretty good, Pat. And I'll tell you right now how many three touchdown games Stafford has had this year. Two out of four, two out of five, three out of six, four, five out of eight, five out of ten. And then he had three three touchdown Ooh, games yeah. in a row. So that gets you eight on the year. Then he didn't have one for three games. Had one against San Francisco. So he has nine. He had nine in the regular season. He hasn't had one in the playoffs yet. He's had three straight mm. two passing touchdown mm. games. Mm. Making me nervous now. But see, what I was going to do is instead of 
betting on his touchdown props, I was going to do Stafford MVP. Mm. That's what I was going to do because you get the Stafford MVP odds uh, and you add that to them winning. It's most likely that they're like, you know, you're going to, you're going to have absurd odds. It's going to be Stafford winning the MVP. Most likely. I was going to say, so you think that he can, he'll win the MVP just because Odell will do enough so that it's not Cooper cup dominating the game. Exactly. It's exactly what I was thinking. And now I'm, I'm feeling betrayed here, but I'm, I'm they definitely have it in one of those that you just scrolled by. They definitely have Matt Stafford to win MVP. Do they? Probably. I got to look, but this is bad. This is bad radio. So we're going to stop. We're going to stop that for now. <laughs> There's so, a good one. Evan McPherson to have a successful 50 plus yard field goal. Ooh, plus 140. Let's go. Like let's that. go a little bit through some of these real quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's hop through some of these and then we'll say goodbye. Cause it's getting, getting long here already. So first of all, will there be an octopus? No. No. But I'm not going to bet. I'm not taking minus 2,500. <laughs> and, and then, yeah. and then, uh, and then you lose. Cooper Cup scores a two point conversion on the first drive. <laughs> they just, and Sean McVay says, "Fuck it, go for I two. I hate myself. That's what happens <laughs> then. All right, so let's go with this one. This one's pretty. This is pretty lofty here. I think both teams to score 25 points. Burrow and Stafford 250 plus. I feel like there's not enough juice there at plus 450. No, because I don't think the Bengals can hit 25. Pass. Hard pass. Okay. Cooper Cup. And Jamar Chase, one plus receiving touchdowns each, and then Joe Mixon and Cam Akers, one plus re- rushing touchdowns each. That's plus fourteen hundred. I'm saying it's good odds. Eh, should be better. That's tough, bro. You're you're calling four touchdowns out. Yeah, you're right. That is tough. Ooh, four anytime touchdowns. That should be like plus two thousand or more. And specifically, a running back and a receiver each time. I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling it. This one, however, on the Cooper Cup Jamar Chase front, fifteen combined receptions. 80 plus receiving yards each plus 150 a more reasonable bet here kind of like the idea of this one don't I, know if there's enough juice to make me pull I think I think you're confident obviously in the cup getting 80 yards then it's whether or not you think Jamar Chase is going to hit 80 yards and if you think cup's going to have like eight or nine catches you need Jamar Chase to have six mm. so I don't know about that one yeah it's tough I think plus 150 is not enough to get me out of bed on that one Looking here, <laughs> Burrow or Stafford to have a reception. That's fun. Plus 800. That's how you burn money. That's a fun one. Yeah, they ain't doing that, right? Maybe Burrow. Stafford ain't running a route. No. Burrow, I could definitely see Burrow running a route. Actually, I could see Stafford running a route because they would definitely have Odell throw the ball. That's a good point. But usually, it ain't going to be Stafford. I don't like that. Well, Philly, Philly. It could be. It could be. The McPherson plus 140 for a 50-yard uh, To me, that's like goal. that's such a good bet. I might make. I might honestly. I might fall into the trap of betting that. We might. I'm gonna mark that one down. He's been. He's been a stud, and you're kicking in a, in a dome stadium. Like 50 yards for that for him is nothing. Now this one, on the other hand, perhaps a little more reasonable. Chase Cup Beckham T Higgins all to hit 50 receiving yards at least. Chase and Cup, you feel. Cup, you feel obviously very confident about Chase. You feel pretty good. Odell, I'd feel good about. It would come down to T Higgins. I like that one. That's not bad. That's plus 160. Yeah. Reasonable play. It's a reasonable play there. Um, Stop me if you see any of that that we're going through here. No, I think I'm good. I'm trying to skip some. It's it's hurting my brain now thinking about all these different bets. I know. It really is a lot. Have fun with this, people. Don't don't go too crazy. But all right. Um, I'm looking. Where the hell are the MVP odds on DraftKings? Am I just not finding them? I don't know if they have them. What is that? We're going to have to end our partnership with DraftKings. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
<laughs> they don't uh, have them right now. Yeah, maybe they just don't have them right now, and I'm I'm upset. I'm a little sad. I'm pull them up somewhere else, I guess. Um, we'll go back to, to live over here. So, Pat, official pick. If you had a play on the four and a half, I think it's pretty clear that you and I are both on the Rams, obviously. Are you officially on the Rams at four and a half? Yay or nay? If you're making me pick a side, yeah, I would take the Rams. Okay. Yeah, if I'm I'm making you pick a, a side with the spread, you're still taking the Rams four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, just because I think they can easily blow them out in this game. And now, in that regard... Yeah, and, and again, just really quickly, too, because I know you can throw the list at me. What was it? I think out of all the teams to be four-plus point favorites or more since 2000, I think all but two have failed, right? So that's, what, 20 teams? Or, well, not, not 20, because not all of them have been four-point favorites. I think it was 14. Since 2000, 14 teams have been four-point favorites or more. 12 of them have failed to cover. Wow. I don't I don't care about that. Okay. I don't care. I'm not a guy that's going to look at numbers like that because this is a different game. This is a different matchup. Yeah. And I know the Super Bowl is usually very close no matter what, either which way. And if you think the Bengals are win, obviously you're going to take them to cover and you, you feel very good about that. But I just think the the chance of this being a blowout or a 10-point win is very high. Right. To the point where I can't – I just can't bring myself to take the Bengals. And I know I'm betting against – the heart of America right now. I know I'm going against Joe Burrow. I accept that. I'm fine with that. If I lose again, I'm totally fine with it. I'm not going to say, you know what? Damn it. I should have jumped on board because I can't. I can't bring myself to do it. I can't convince my brain to take the Bengals with the points here in this one or think that they're going to win. So if I'm picking a spot, uh, picking a side, it is Rams minus four and a half. I'm riding. I'm riding with you, Pat. Rams minus four and a half, as well as Rams money line mixed in perhaps with that Stafford over 254 beautiful bet to get the minus 115 range the rams are good the Bengals are sometimes really good and i'm going with the team that's been more good more often it's not scientific and it's not good analysis but that's what it comes down to and if you want to bet your money your hard-earned money on a team i'm taking the team that's better yeah, I mean, to me, this just comes down to the, it's the, it's the Rams pass rush versus the Bengals offensive line. That's the biggest mismatch in this game. I don't think Cincinnati can overcome it. Yeah, and if we're wrong and we eat our words, I'll wear this one gladly and still remain here saying, Joe Burrow, you're, you're a beast, bro. You done did it, and everyone loves you, and you deserve that love. I love you, too, just because I didn't bet against uh, – just because I bet against you doesn't mean I don't love you. That's how I would feel. I wouldn't feel hurt. And plus, I do have a Super Bowl bet from before the season on the Rams. So realistically, I should just hedge and win no matter what. But side hedge. You can side hedge. Nah, maybe. Hedging's no fun. It's not. I mean, it is fun to win. But where's the fun in that? Other than winning. <laughs> it's about pride, baby. It's about pride. All right. Subway Sports Talk. Pat, any last words before we say goodbye? We said a lot of things already. Today. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I got nothing left, man. All right. Anything to plug? When are you on air next? When are you working? Uh, February 25th. February 25th. On on the the fan. On the fan. Midnight to 5 a.m. Midnight to 5 a.m. So that's a Thursday night into a Friday morning. Feb 25th. That's pretty soon. It's like a weekend, two weeks away. Mark your calendars. Patty Boyle on the fan. I got nothing to plug other than YouTube. Subscribe. Like our videos. Watch our videos. You got something to plug. I guess it's it's in the works right now. Yeah, well, you know, 
We'll get there when we get there. I'm not jumping the gun. I'm just saying you do have things to plug. You got big, big things coming. We're working on some stuff over here. in Subway Sports Talk Labs that Pat Boyle joins for the first time. Our first in-person podcast in like three years. And the first ever for Subway Sports Talk. Long time coming. Happy to do it. Yeah, first time since we were at Stevens. Yeah. For Boyle Shen Show. That was like the third ever episode. Yeah. Second, and that was, that was second, I believe. That was literally like a quarter mile away. Wow. From where we are now. Full circle. There we go. It's good stuff, Pat. Great to see you. Subway Sports Talk. Thank you all for listening. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. You know what to do. Thank you. Enjoy. Win some money. Enjoy some small hot dogs. It's the Super Bowl, baby. Have fun. Cheers.